Hello and welcome to Inspire Me Today Radio. I'm your host, Gail Lynn Goodwin. You know, we love to hear from you, our Inspire Me Today community. And recently, for some reason, it seems that so many of your emails are asking the same question. It's always something like, how do I not get caught up in the drama of life? And you know, you're right. I mean, sometimes it's so easy to just buy into what's going on outside of us. And we forget that starting from the inside, we are the author of our own life story. We forget that we're the one who's actually writing the script. Today's guest is a mind-body connection coach, engaging speaker, and author of the best-selling book, Madly Chasing Peace, How I Went from Hell to Happy in Nine Minutes a Day. She's taken her journey from hitting an emotional rock bottom through struggling with addictions, food issues, and depression to having now found consistent happiness and has turned it into a simple, practical method for others to change their own lives. She's here to talk to us today about this, to share her inspiration with us, and to help us answer that question, how do I not get so caught up in the drama of life? Her name is Dina Proctor, and I am so honored that she's here with us today. Dina, welcome to Inspire Me Today. Mm, Gail, thank you. I'm just so excited to connect with you and share this space. Thank you for inviting me. You are most welcome. We are honored to have you. Dina, for those that do not yet know your name... Tell us a little bit about your story. How did you get to be who you are today? Mm, yeah, so this is the most powerful kind of part. And I just want to let anybody listening in know that I'm going to talk about, you know, kind of depression and, and addiction, all of these things, which may or may not be something that you can relate to. But what I do promise you is that stick with me through the through the story and we'll get you to a place where it it's, has, has an aspect of solution and enlightenment for all people. And so my story starts towards the end of 2008. I had recently reached the rock bottom point in my life. I was 32 at the time and I had spent my 20s kind of in and out of depression. I was clinically diagnosed as major depressive disorder, which is, you know, a clinical severe form of depression. And I was at, at a point where just for years, it was a struggle for me to get out of bed in the morning. It was a struggle to put on my game face and go to work and even to, to just eat. I was eating so little because I had no motivation. And I went to different therapists and I went to group therapies and I tried all kinds of different antidepressant, anti-anxiety medications, and nothing was working to fix myself. And I was on the outside too, trying to change everything I could. You know, I was changing jobs. Every nine months I was getting myself a new job because I just thought, okay, it must be the job. I just need a new job. And, you know, I was huh. changing changing boyfriends all the time too. And I thought, you know, I just need to live in a new city. Or I would think I need to live with roommates. And then after nine months or a year, I would say, I don't need any roommates anymore. That's what the problem is. And it was just really this desperate search to fill this void that I felt was growing inside of myself. And as the years went on towards my late 20s, I found myself heavily addicted to alcohol. And alcohol had never been really on my radar. But as my inner desperation increased, my need to soothe it increased as well. And so when I started drinking, it really just took me down quickly. And I fell really hard. I had constant alcohol in my bloodstream, Gail, for probably two or three years. It was just wow. I needed a yeah, I needed a drink to get out of bed in the morning. I needed a drink to get through work, um, and then of course all night I would just drink at night. So how did you get out of that? <laughs> really good question. Um, what what ended up happening was I really unintentionally ended up in an addiction recovery program, and um, 
I didn't see, it took me three months to really see that I belonged here, that this was the the place, you know, the denial was kind of rampant <laughs> in what I was dealing with. Um, but as, as I came around to see like, oh my gosh, I really do belong here. This is my story too. I chose a coach to bring me through the addiction recovery program. I spent a year working with her and the very first instruction she gave me was that I needed to learn to meditate. And at the time I remember thinking, what the heck is meditation going to do for me? (laughs) Like sitting there in some kind of floaty, weird way. Like I have no idea how this is going to be practical at all, but it was the only instruction she gave me. And she made a very good point. She said, well, it doesn't seem like your way is working. Why don't you try my way? And I couldn't argue with her, honestly. So I just said, all right, I don't think it's going to do much of anything, but I will try it. And so her instruction to me was to sit still every morning for 20 minutes and focus on my breathing. I mean, how hard can that be? (laughs) Anybody could do that, right? Well, (laughs) (laughs) it's a little harder than it seems because in my experience, you start focusing on your breathing for the first 30 or 45 seconds. And then you start with your to-do list. And then, and it just, all these and thens. So did you find that to happen to you as well? Oh, it's so true. It's, it's really what happened. And especially because where I was at the time, I was still physically detoxing. And my thoughts were, you know, largely about, I just wanted to end my life. And so when I would sit for these 20 minutes, I would max out and it would become physically intolerable for me to sit for longer than three minutes at a time. I would find myself, my body would be physically shaking. I would be sweating. And at the three minute mark, it was like, I just couldn't handle it anymore. And I had to get up, but it nagged at me because she had told me that was her one instruction was sit still, focus on your breathing for 20 minutes. It was like, I can't even do that. But a couple hours later, when it nagged at me, I would say, you know what, maybe I can do three more minutes now. And then a couple hours later, I would be able to do three more minutes so that by the end of the day, I could call her and say, hey, I made it. I did your quota. I made my 20 minutes for the day. And so that is what eventually launched me into, I had this experience about eight weeks into the messy three minute here, three minute there thing. All I would do when I would sit down for these meditations would just really open my body posture and just say, I'm open and willing. Just show me what to do. Just show me. I was so just desperate for it. And after eight weeks of doing only that, that was the only thing I was doing, I had this experience in what I call a state of higher consciousness. My mm-hmm. oh, my awareness was physically above and behind my body, like kind of floating near the ceiling. And I was watching myself and really aware that this higher energy, this big me, I called it like the big me because I knew it was part of me, the biggest essence of me. And yet it was different from the physical me that was navigating through the, you know, through the world. And so that state of being lasted with me for three days. I had no mind chatter and I was super ultra present in every moment. Like I was so grounded and blissful. And when you spend three days in that state of being, you can't go back. You can't not know what you learn when you're in that state. You know, like it was so apparent to me that there's no such thing as time. It was really cute for me to float up there and watch me and all the other little people running around like, oh my gosh, I'm late for this and I'm late for that and I have a deadline. And like, it was just so cute how messed up we get (laughs) and how stressed out we get around Cute is a good word. That's how I felt, you know. No, it is. It's almost silly. You know, and it's it's funny, Dina, I can so identify with what you're talking about. Back when I was in my mid to, I guess it was late 20s, I met a man named Donald Johnson. And Donald was a temp that I hired for a job. I was a, you know, corporate 
person and had an important job. I'm saying this very facetiously, of course, but in my little mind, in my little world at that time, that I, that's what I thought to be real. And I hired him to help me organize a new office. I had 58 employees and I was running this office in Phoenix and I hired him. And after hanging out with me for three weeks, he took me home one night and said, you need to meet my other half, his partner, William. And William sat me down as soon as we walked in the apartment. Hi, how are you? Nice to meet you. Sit down. I have things to tell you. And he laid it out for me and said, you think that, you know, you're in this drama and you're running around and you're actually in control of things. Well, let me tell you, it's a little different than that. And he's the first one that ever said to me, every single morning when you get up, it's like you open the book of your life and you either get to jump in and play the character and get so wound up with all the drama and all the emotion and all the stuff like you said, of watching these little people run around in hurried fashions, worrying about this and worrying about that, or ah, you can take a deep breath and step back and realize you are not only the producer and the director, you also wrote the book. Mm. And which way do you want it? To, are you going to jump in the book and be this little ma you know, mouse running through a maze? Or are you going to stand back and observe this for what you really are? And it was the first time anybody really nailed me on that, you know, called me on my own stuff. And so even, I mean, for that year that I then worked with them, he would continually say to me, get out of the book, get out of the book. And that's exactly what you're talking about. I love that. I, I love that. And I like, I really like that analogy that you're using. Well, it just, <laughs> you know, it makes, out of the book. I can, it, again, coming from the corporate left brain, linear, logical mentality, I could understand that. Yeah. And so he hit me at a place that, that definitely resonated in such a big way that he is one of the people that I absolutely attribute my changing my life to the path that I'm on now. Mm, I could totally see that. Yes. Can't so, see it in the moment, but yeah, exactly. Well, you are okay. So you're you're just coming to this realization that it's kind of comical watching this little Dina, the little me, run around and be involved in the drama of life. Once you had that three day experience, did everything change? It did from there on out um, because I was it, – it felt like I was privy to all of the almost secrets of how life works. You know, I just was seeing it from that broader perspective and immersing myself in it for that amount of time was really a good – uh, you know, kind of stable way to get completely saturated in all of that wisdom from, from, you know, that, that perspective sure. and that higher consciousness point of view. Yeah. So what ended up happening was I, what I, what I also realized in addition to that, there's no such thing as time was it was very obvious to me that anything I wanted to change or heal about my exterior world. So what I was doing, you know, I was constantly going on diets and I was using alcohol and I was changing jobs and changing boyfriends and moving cities, but I kept taking myself with me. So funny how that works. It's, it really is. I just kept recreating the same, the same things. Well, when I, I realized why, when I was in that state, because I realized until the inside changes, nothing on the outside can change. And we very, we really need to do very little work. Hang on, on a second. Outside. I need you to say that again, because you just said one of the most golden nuggets about um, inside outside. To, yep, about being the inside work. When the inside gets right, we need to do very little work on the outside. It just falls into place. The work is largely, majorly interior. It's all an inside job. But don't you think, Dina, 
that in your experience, and especially with clients that you've worked with and just people that you see in general in life, don't you think most of us as humans go to our default mode, which is let's fix everything on the outside. And we spend 90% of our energy fixing stuff that doesn't matter. Yeah, we do until we can't, until we see that it's futile. You know, that's what I did. And that's why I ended up suicidally alcoholic because it was so intolerable for me. It's like, I'm a smart person. I graduated college with honors. I know how to get good jobs. I know how to present on an interview. I know how to date, you know, worthwhile people. And yet none of that stuff was fixing it. What is wrong? How come this isn't working? Well, it's, it's like we're using the wrong tool in the toolbox. That's not, I, I describe it. You're, I think you're going to like this analogy, Gail. I kind of describe it like, like a power cord. We're designed when we're born. It's the same um, thing that drives us like we know that we need to eat we have the urge you know of, of hunger and that mm-hmm. need to satiate that the same thing comes with needing um, and a self-identity or a sense of empowerment not power over others but being self-empowered to be able to live our lives from a connected grounded self-assured kind of way and when we don't know where to plug in for that and where we plug in is to that inner resource that source of power peace and wisdom that voice of intuition inside of ourselves when we don't know know that that's even there, which is what happened to me. I had no idea that's where I was supposed to plug in. I was plugging into everything on the outside. I was plugging into food and money and men and alcohol. And, you know, that's why I was trying, how I was trying to fill it. But it's kind of doing that is futile in the same way that, you know, when you eat, I don't know if maybe this isn't, (laughs) I bet people listening in can relate when I say this, but when you eat a whole bunch of junk food, you could eat like 3000 calories in junk food and still feel hungry because you weren't giving your body what it was really hungry for. And so that's what we do in trying to change the exterior circumstances of our lives. And that's why it's so amazingly unfulfilling and so completely on, you know, ineffective because what we're supposed to do is plug into where we were designed to be plugged into. Once we do that, everything else takes care of itself. But yes, it takes yes, an yes. Of, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, so yes. where were you in your addiction phase as far as alcohol eight weeks into this when you had that three day awakening, I'll call it? It was probably like eight and a half weeks after I had told myself that I I was giving up drinking. So I hadn't had a drink in that amount of time. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. And then from that, how did you integrate that and manage to keep it and not lose that? Such a great question. Um, the, what I did was I, because my, my th- messy three minute here, three minute there thing eventually settled into what I call three by three meditation. So three minutes, three times a day. And so as I went through, like the addiction recovery program was almost like, I don't want to say playground, but I'm going to, it's, it was like the perfect place to test this new three by three <laughs> thing and these new kind of, you know, insights I was getting. Because when I was in my addiction, I had used people, I had stolen money, I had, you know, screwed my friends over and, you know, just really hurt a lot of people and taken things that weren't mine. That's it. It wasn't me. I was just becoming this morally decrepit person as my, you know, when I was in that addiction. Anyway, um, it became clear to me that I needed to make amends and have hard conversations and just be completely honest and raw and own what I had done and, you know, kind of who I had been at that time mm-hmm. and just be really honest and, and confess and, and, and make right. And so what I would do was I said, let me see if these little three minute here things will, will do anything you know, will, will have an effect on my conversations. And so what I would do, and I was just making this up as I went, but I was just intuitively guided 
to imagine myself in the conversation, imagine myself with a check and returning the money. And if they decided that I needed to go to jail, then I would be absolutely non-resistant and at peace. That wasn't my decision to make, you know, that sort of thing. And so I would just take this, this time within my three by three meditations. And at the, at the time, the woman who was coaching me said, you know what, with, with making amends for the money that you stole, that's, I understand that's a big deal. Don't do it until you feel absolutely comfortable. If it takes you six months, wait six months to do it. You need to be at a place of absolute and complete peace within yourselves. You know, use your meditations to do that. But you know, what was interesting was that it only took me four days to get to that place of non-resistance using the three by three, because I was so open and willing that the transformation just really happened. And I just let go of any of it needing to go a certain way of, you know, they, they, when I made the amends, it was actually a really heartfelt, beautiful conversation, you know, and, and, um, and they said, you know, this actually someone else at this company had done the same thing and we didn't, uh, ask them to pay the money back, but we did fire them on the spot. And so you don't work here anymore, so we can't fire you, but, but we won't ask you to repay the money. We're just going to let this go and appreciate that you are, you know, making this right and coming to, to make amends in these times of these parts of your life. And I was just so grateful. And of course I donated that money. Like it wasn't mine to keep to begin with, but that's what I was able to, in my non-resistance and absolute peace with what I had done, I was able to have a really healing, amazing relationship in making amends. And then I used it for other things too. Like I put it to the test when I, um, cause after I quit drinking a lot, I started eating a lot. <laughs> I was eating, you know, just all day long it was all about junk food. And I went up two sizes probably in my clothes. It wasn't a ton of weight, but at the same time I couldn't wear any of my clothes. So I wanted to do something about it. And I was like, you know, I wonder if this three by three thing will do anything for it. So I was sitting in my three by three and just really like touching into the fact that the cells in my body know when they're hungry, they must know what they're calling for. I've just never listened to that. I just eat to quell the hunger. I don't really tune in and see, oh, what are the cells calling for? So I developed this kind of way of eating on an intuitive level. Like I wasn't taught it. I just kind of developed it as as I mm-hmm. went, as I was shown in the meditations. And I ended up losing seven of those pounds in a 10 day period, which sounds completely unrealistic, but that was my story. That's what happened because it was like I touched into and activated that blueprint of health and I honored it and listened to it. And just anything that didn't match that, that blueprint I was born with just melted off my body, just faded out of my experience. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So it works pretty much for anything. Now, I can already hear people that are in our audience listening to this right now going, yeah, but I'm afraid to do that. I mean, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to meditate. I, I don't know, blah, 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 whatever the excuse is. So, Dina, I have to think that at some point, whether it's at the beginning or while you were starting to do this, fear must have reared its head. Did it? And how did you deal with it? Oh my gosh. Great question. Yeah. Um, I was afraid. I was probably afraid, um, most of that whole year of, um, 
what am I, because it was, I was so plugged in to drinking that it, it, that was my safety blanket. And I was terrified to leave it behind. I was terrified of what people would think of me when I started telling them that this was my story because no, like I really hid that addiction really well. And I was terrified of what people would think of me. And I was scared to death to make those amends and, you know, all of those things. But the way that I worked through that fear was just one day at a time or one moment at a time or one second at a time. Let me me ask you this. When you Mm -hmm. got to the place, I don't even want to use the word enlightenment, awareness, whatever you want to call it, in that three-day meditation where you saw yourself kind of, as you said, laughable, kind of running around caught up in the game. When you saw that, what did that do to the fear that you had felt previously? Oh my gosh. It was just an absolute embracing, almost like, you know, when a little kid is, is terrified of, you know, like a a superhero or a bad guy in a movie or something. And it's like, oh my gosh, sweetheart, like, please don't freak out. It's not real. It's not a big deal. But to the child, it's very real and they're very afraid. So that was what it felt like. The big me was holding the little me and just saying, oh my gosh, there's, there's nothing that can damage you. There's nothing to be afraid of here. You are inherently safe. This world is like a padded room that you can safely play in and explore in. There's nothing that can destroy the essence of you. Dina, so that's that's what it felt like. When you heard that, what did you think? What did you feel? Just absolute bliss. It was just this this true surrender, this letting go of ha- of ever having to feel that disconnected again. It was this kind of a feeling of, I just woke up. I was just born. There is a clean slate here. It was amazing. Really, really amazing. That's what I wish for everyone. Mm. Seriously, I wish that everyone that hears these words, that hears your words, would be able to get to the point in their life that they can realize how divine they are, how magnificent they are. And instead of comparing ourselves to others instead of defining ourselves by what problems we have. Instead of the looking at the outside, go to the inside. It's just such a powerful thing that you're sharing with us. And I mean, I'm, I'm so grateful that you're vulnerable or that you allow yourself to be vulnerable enough to go deep enough to make it be meaningful because that's what this is all about. Mm, I completely agree. And I'm glad that I was led little by little to sharing my story that I didn't know. You know, I would have been probably afraid of where I am now if I had seen it then. It was just following those little breadcrumbs and just opening little by little to be able to completely flourish. And so, um, and I wish the same thing for everyone. I really believe, Gail, that no matter who we think we've become or what we've done, how we've judged ourselves and what shame we've felt in our lives, that Absolutely. Every single little thing can be transformed and healed. Everything. No exceptions. How cool is that? (laughs) It's so cool. I mean, really? (laughs) Now, okay, again, I'm going to have you talk to the skeptics that are sitting here saying, well, that would work for her, but that won't work for me. She doesn't understand my problems. So talk to us a little bit about that, Dina, of how you do believe this can work for anyone. And more importantly, Give me some tangible steps that someone can do right here, right now to get them closer to that place. 
I love it. I will give you steps and I will also tell you that um, I was one of those, they call it terminally unique. Like I'm, no one can understand me. Nobody can understand <laughs> I me. I like that. Right? Yeah. That's what I, I learned that in addiction recovery. We, we, and, and especially with the community that I was in for that addiction recovery, I felt like nobody could help me. I mean, why else would I have wanted to kill myself? I really felt like no one could understand me and nobody could help me because I had tried everything else and just absolutely nothing works. And so I was it was terminal, <laughs> my uniqueness. And so <clears throat> I can't convince anybody of anything. I can only share my story in a raw, honest, real way. And those who resonate with it can find inspiration and light there. But I know that even two weeks before I ended up in that addiction recovery program, if somebody would have told me something like that, it, I wouldn't have been able to hear it or accept it. And so we all hear it in our own times, but I do believe it's possible. I have no doubt because I've seen all kinds of different people that felt at the you know, desperation and hopeless hanging by a thread, be able to absolutely find transformation. It's just, we've got to want it for ourselves. And so I'll help you a little bit with, um, with steps, you know, and, and I think it's really important, um, to take things in smaller increments. I used to be kind of a new year's resolution person, right? And so December 31st, I'm making my list and it's four pages long and, you know, I'm never going to curse again and I'm never going to eat bread again. I'm going to go to the gym and all these kind of things. And then it would turn into like January 21st and suddenly you're like, Hmm, I really haven't, I forgot about that list. Yeah. How'd that that work for you? (laughs) And it doesn't go anywhere. And so what I encourage for people is just start with one thing. And I know that that sounds way too simple to be effective, but hear me out here because the way that I've created transformation, this is how I work with all my clients. This is how I teach it is to take it seven days at a time. There's really very little that we can commit to that, you know, that we can't commit to for a seven day period. It could be going to the gym or starting a meditation practice, whatever it is, and just committing to it for seven days. And the reason that's effective is because, first of all, if you get to day three and you haven't started yet, you kind of have a fire under you because you've only got seven days and you better hurry up. So it has an urgency factor to it. And at the same time, if you get to day three or four and you're thinking, oh, this doesn't work. I don't like this. Or, you know, you're thinking you want to quit. Just remind yourself, wait a minute. I've only got three more days, four more days. I can do this. I can stick to seven days at a time. Because what I've noticed is that when people stick to seven days at a time after and they play full out with it. After seven days, there is a measurable improvement on the way that they see the situation. If they're trying to lose weight or make more money, there may not be, you know, they might not have lost that 20 pounds in that week or made that million dollars in that week. But instead of being stuck like they were for so long, there's suddenly the light of possibility of like, you know what? I was stuck for a long time, but there's so much hope here. I can't believe I haven't seen this before. I've got ideas. I know what I'm going to do. I've got a strategy. I have this fresh breath of air that's lighting me up and getting me inspired about it. And so you notice that even if, you know, on the scale of, you know, depression and frustration and anger all the way up to joy and bliss, if you've been on that negative side for a long time, after seven days of immersing yourself, you can really notice like, you know, a week ago, that would have really set me off. That would have really annoyed me that he did that or she did that or that happened. And right now it's just It doesn't bother me as much as it used to. You notice that things are easing, that things aren't bothering you as much, that the rough edges are getting kind of, you know, eased and smoothed and soothed. And then, then, you know, you keep doing it seven days at a time. You reach a neutral point. It's like, okay, I feel really good. I feel empowered. I'm positive. I'm moving forward. Then the scale tips and you start to get physical manifestation. And so after a couple of weeks of the intuitive eating practice and imagining, you know, the healthy body blueprint and stuff, 
After a couple weeks of doing that, you start to notice physical results. Things start shifting in the physical world. After, you know, letting go of and, and visualizing an increase in income, and soothing that discord and getting more and more towards the tipping of the scale onto hope, you start to notice things start to pop in that, in that, in that world. And so that's my advice to people is just take it seven days at a time and you don't have to, you know, you're not fooling yourself here just for those seven days. And at the end of it, renew it for seven days. And if you get really stuck, take it an hour at a time. Sometimes I would take it an hour at a time. Like when I wanted a drink or when I wanted to, um, you know, just get the heck out of here, I would just tell myself, can I make it another hour? Can I make it 10 minutes? You know what? I can, I can make it 10 minutes. Can I make it 10 more and just make it really simple. That also keeps us present in the moment. And that's where our only source of power is anyway, you know, in that present moment. What great advice. I, (laughs) I hope that those who need this hear the words that you're sharing. This is very good, very powerful stuff, Dina, and I really appreciate, again, your vulnerability and being so real in sharing this with us. Let me ask you this. I'm going to go back to your three by three, your three minutes of meditation Mm -hmm. three times a day. For someone who has never done this before, tell them step by step, what do they do? Is it when they're out walking in the woods or in a park, or is it sitting in the lotus position? When you say meditate for three minutes, tell me exactly what you mean. Okay, great. So think of it this way, that when you can use these meditation breaks to create anything you have in your life, and that's why it's important for people to recognize this isn't just for people who are in depression and people that went through addiction. It's really, you know, like, and and maybe not, I think three by three is, you know, of course, really powerful. And there may be another meditation practice that works for you, but whatever helps you get grounded and centered inside of yourself. And so here's the steps that I advise people to take is when you take it for your seven days, for those first seven days, if you've never meditated before, if you have no idea what you're doing, you're just consumed by negative thoughts, you want to do something super simple. And some for some people, it's actually scary to close the, close their eyes. I remember in the beginning, it was like, I can't close my eyes. It's just too scary in there. So I would just, I would light a candle. And so even if you light a candle and all you do is immerse yourself, put a timer on for three minutes or 30 seconds or whatever is manageable and and what you want to start with. And while that timer is going, turn it over. Don't peek at it. Let yourself immerse yourself in the meditation. The, 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 you know, little bell will bring you out of it. Let yourself lose yourself in these 30 seconds or three minutes or whatever and watch that candle flame and just see, can you see shapes? Almost like if you were looking at clouds in the sky, can you see shapes in it? Oh, that looks like a cathedral spire. Oh, that looks like a feather or whatever it might look like to you. You could also do something like I've, I've done this before when I'm really stressed out or, um, like it's few and far between now, but this is my go-to if, um, if I feel like I get thrown off a little bit or, or, um, or upset, I will count backwards. I'll set a timer, turn it over and I will, count backwards. What do you, you start at a hundred? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I just, and if a thought comes up and and I get 99, 98, oh my gosh, I hate that guy. I wish he hadn't done that. Okay. Wait, that was a thought. I'm just going to breathe and release it. 99, 98, right? And you just keep starting over. And a lot of people get stuck because they think, wait, I'm such a failure if I can't make it 30 seconds or three minutes counting backwards. But that's not so because here's the powerful thing that people don't realize is that when you're counting down or trying to focus on your breathing and thoughts are coming in and you recognize them and consciously release them and bring your focus back to whatever you're doing, focusing on your breathing or your counting, you have interrupted that thought pattern and you have given it less power over you than it had before. Absolutely. So if, you, if you, yeah. So if you interrupt a, a thought pattern, you know, 30 times in a three minute period, 
that is a huge win because you hadn't interrupted that at all before. And so that's what you can do is put reminders in your phone for three times a day or whatever feels right for you, set your timer, and then just do something simple, either focusing on your breath or counting backwards, watching the candle flame. And then when you get to the point, take that for seven days and you'll know at the end of seven days, like, okay, that felt good, but I'm not quite, you know, I feel like I need another week with it. Then renew it, do it for another seven days, play full out with it. When you get to the point at the end of every seven days, just check in with yourself. When you feel like you really just kind of own that, that when you set your timer for three minutes, you're able to quiet your mind at will. And it's no big deal. This has become your new normal. You know, you're ready to switch to an intention. So then you can bring in, what is it that you want to create for yourself? Is it something financial? Is it something about the body? Is it something about a relationship? You know, like I have different processes for all of those life areas. Mm -hmm. So you would bring in, here's my new intention. So the important thing is to remember that, you know, the mind is, it's almost like a garden, right? Like if you just got a new house and there was an overgrown garden in the back, you wouldn't just bring rose bushes and start planting them. Like you would weed it. You want to clear out. You want to know how to get to that space of quietness inside of yourself because only once it you know how to weed it then you can plant the new thought seeds to be able to to form something otherwise the negative thoughts are, and that self-doubt is just going to eat you alive you know it'll it'll sure. sabotage what you're trying to plant so i won't be that, able to, i won't be able to smell the roses you are exactly right yeah you no that's a, a, a great a great way to actually visualize it a great way to you know to actually see it very, very good stuff. Well, I really appreciate, again, your being here, your sharing, your steps, your practices. The three-by-three three just, I mean, I think it's uh, brilliant, I guess is the easiest way to put it. Meditation has been something that over the years, m the majority of my meditation personally is when I'm hiking or when I'm walking in the woods. And it's funny, the one I taught my kids from the time they were little is that if you, you know, when you lie down at night and you're ready to fall asleep, and you've got these trains of thoughts just zipping through your head. Oh, he, he said this, and she said that, and I should have done this, and I should have done Stop. And I had them visualize, and this is the one I used also, and it's, I'll tell you why this is so amazingly interesting to me, I guess is the easiest way to put this, is that I always had them visualize a green, mossy, little stream bank. And you're sitting or lying down by this stream, and as those unwanted thoughts come flying into your consciousness, just gently nudge them into the stream and let them go and go back to your breathing or to your counting or to hearing just the rippling of the water. And another thought will come in and nudge it into the stream and off it goes like a little sailboat and it just sails away and it's gone. And that has helped them so many times and has helped me so many times just to be able to let go. I'm such a visual person that I really want to see it disappearing you know, down that stream. And the funny thing is, Dina, I just uh, last August bought a property inside Glacier National Park, built a new home on it called Glacier Bear Retreat. And the funny thing about it, it has two streams right by the bedrooms. <laughs> and so you, you cannot sit there and talk to one another and not have to really focus and listen to the person because the roar of the stream is so loud. Mm. And it's like, what a perfect place to just nudge it into the stream, let it go. And it's, I don't know, for me, it's just such a tangible exercise that even now, whenever I hear that stream, it's, I just say to myself, okay, what do I need to let go of? There it goes. And it's, it's worked. I love that. I love having something to be able to physically move it into. I think that that's so powerful, especially for people who are highly visual. I love that. 
Well, I'm I'm definitely a visual one, so it has worked for me because of that. Well, Dina, again, I'm so grateful for the insights that you've shared with all of our community today. Let me ask you this. If you were to summarize your greatest wisdom, the nuggets, what have you learned that you'd want to pass on to others and leave as your legacy for them? Mm, I think the biggest thing, and we've touched on this a little bit already, but is to realize that there is absolutely nothing that cannot be completely healed and transformed within our lives on the physical world. If we realize that our power cord needs to be plugged in to that internal source of power, peace, and wisdom inside of ourselves, when we learn how to plug into that, there is nothing we cannot accomplish on the outside. I'm actually writing that down. Mm-hmm. Excellent, excellent advice. I mean, seriously, if you if you pick up one thing today, that's a really good takeaway to know that you do have the power. You are magnificent. You are divine. And you have the power to change your life whenever you choose to do so simply by plugging into that internal wisdom within to that infinite power within. Mm-hmm. And that makes me go, woo, yes. I mean, really, that's amazing stuff. Well, Dina, you're already a a great speaker, an author, a coach, all these other kinds of things that you're doing. What's next? The biggest things I have coming up are um, I'm part of this movie that's going to be released probably towards the end of 2014. It's called The Last Formula. Um, It's going to have John Gray, Jack Canfield, Neil Donald Walsh, and a bunch of thought leaders sharing kind of like the similar format to the way that The Secret Movie is made, but it's Mm -hmm. about consciousness in the business world. The um, man, Tony Shea from Zappos.com. Love Tony. Yeah, he wrote a book called um, Delivering Happiness, which, of course, you know, you know him. Um, And so everybody on there is sharing their insights and wisdom onto, you know, shifting in in business and that sort of thing. So really excited to be part of that movie called The Last Formula. And then also I am bringing 3x3 into the business world. And it's kind of still in gestation period, like just being born. But that is, and I call it in the business world, 3x3 focus system because we're taking three-minute focus breaks throughout the day to get recentered on what we want to be most productive about. And so, um, yeah, really exciting. And I've just kind of recently in the last couple of months gotten comfortable using video and now I can't be stopped. I just love love A little kid with a new toy. I know. It's really fun. It it took me a while to get comfortable. It took me a while to get comfortable recording audios and then videos. Forget it. But I recently just got kind of comfortable with it. And so now I have a video course where I really just take everybody in depth through all of these concepts and principles and step by step into how to use three by three. So it's exciting. You know, I feel like there's a lot. um, I I almost feel like I'm at the beginning of my whole career with this, this stuff. And I'm just so excited to see where it's going to lead me. Like I, I always say I'm on the three by three bus, but I'm not driving it. So it's, it's, it's driving. It's, it's what's being born through me. And I'm so excited to see where it's going to lead. I'm, I'm going to disagree with you there. (laughs) I don't think you're on a bus. I think you're on a rocket. My gosh, I love it. <laughs> Seriously, you're you're on a rocket. And this is great stuff, Dina. I really, again, appreciate your being here today. To our community, if you're listening to this while you're out hiking or at the gym or commuting through traffic, wherever, just know that you can come on back to inspiremetoday.com, click on the search box, insert Dina, 
D-I-N-A. That's all you have to put in. She's our only Dina on Inspire Me Today at this point. So just put in Dina's name, click on it, and it'll take you to her bio, her profile, where you can buy her book, where you can uh, check out her courses, and you'll also find her amazing written today's brilliance as well. So again, Dina, thank you for joining us today at inspiremetoday.com. Is there anything you'd like to add in closing? I really feel good about it. I just probably the only thing I would say is, um, you know, if there's anybody out there that is thinking I've just been stuck for way too long or I'm too old or I'm too this or I'm too that, just start with the place of what if there's more possibility here than I can see? What if I just open my mind? What if I just check this out just for seven days? What if I just try something new? And if it doesn't work, I can have my old way back. But what if I just try something new for seven days? What if I just try this on? Just start with what if, what if, what if it's possible? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, that resonates at such a deep level. And Mm. again, just by taking those three by three breaks, it's going to get you out of the book out of the drama, out of the little rat race, and allow you to see your life for who you are and what it is. And hopefully you'll be able to see the magnificence that all the rest of us can see when we look at you. Mm, Beautiful, Gail. Thank you again, Dina, for being with us. To our listeners, thank you for spending part of your day with us. Come on back again next week. We'll bring you inspiration from another incredible luminary. And until then, remember... It's only when you have the courage to step off the ledge that you'll realize you've had wings all along. We're here for you. We love you. We'll see you tomorrow. And thanks again for stopping by.